0: I'm going to start, start by showing you a part of a verse, which is a surefire way to get the Bible wrong when you do that. Like, uh, if you want to join a cult, this is a really good way to do it. Just l- listen to little bits of the Bible. Uh, but we're going to do this, and then we're going to explore the big picture ar- around this verse. Uh, but I thought, like, the verse itself kind of it resonates with me, and so I wanted to share it with you as we explore what we're talking about. Um, so this is uh, 1 Timothy. It doesn't say it up there, but it's 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 19. And uh, this is Paul writing, and he's, he's kind of wrapping up this letter, and he says, so that they may, ta- may take hold of the life that is truly life. Um, and when I hear that, I like that. I like that idea of taking hold of life that is truly life. Um, when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I worked at a place called Sunshine Balloons. Now, is there a better job for someone like me than a place called Sunshine Balloons and I was the delivery boy, so I was bringing the sunshine everywhere I went. You know, you have a big bouquet of balloons and you'd be visiting people in the hospital. Or We also sold candy, uh, fudge, we sold flowers. I mean, how great was this? You just get to walk around. I mean, either people are in the hospital and they're glad to see the balloons coming uh, or they're, you know, they're having a bad day or it's Valentine's Day and they're just excited to see, you know, fudge or candy or whatever. It was a great job. Just drove all over town delivering this stuff. Well, um, I hadn't worked there a full year yet, and we got to Christmas. Uh, the Christmas time. And one of the things that this company did was fill those popcorn tins full of popcorn. And then uh, what companies would do is they would buy, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100. And they would give them to their employees around Christmas time as a little, you know, gesture or whatever. Uh, And that was kind of fun too. You're popping popcorn. You're putting it tins, you You're taking it to the company. Um, However, one company ordered, I don't know, it was quite a few. It was about 100, 150 tins of popcorn on Christmas Eve. And so, my owner said, yep, we're going to do that. And I had to work on Christmas Eve, popping popcorn, filling tins. And uh, it was so many that I had to drop off at this company in, in, uh, in, in shifts. I couldn't just deliver them all at once. I had to go on multiple shifts. And I got there, and I was delivering them. And uh, the people were not excited to see me. Um, they were working on Christmas Eve. And this, according to one employee, I don't know if this is true, this was the only Christmas bonus the company was giving them. So it was almost like I was bringing an insult. I wasn't bringing the sunshine. They were upset because this was all that they had. This was all that they were getting. And I went back and we were popping more popcorn. And I'm sitting there, you know, in this room, popping popcorn, filling the tins. And I'm starting to think like, you know what? I bet you my family is all off singing around the campfire. I bet you that they're all doing Christmas carols. They're all, uh, you know, answering their cell phones, all that kind of stuff. I bet you they're having a wonderful time, chestnuts, open fires, all that sort of thing. And here I am making popcorn for people that don't want it. I mean, this is not. There's nothing about this that felt like it was fulfilling or meaningful. And I don't know if you've ever experienced moments in your life where you're just like the thing that I'm doing, and I got to keep doing this. It doesn't have. It feels pointless. It feels futile. I was doing a job that I didn't want to do to make something for for people that who didn't want it, who didn't want to be working on Christmas Eve as it was, and it was just like everything about that in that moment, kind of felt, I felt like the author of Ecclesiastes, like meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. I made the mistake of, as I'm scooping popcorn into a tin, mentioning this to my boss. I was like, I said something, I don't know how I said it, but young and dumber, I was like, this all feels so pointless. And I, and they're like trying to defend it. No, this is why it's good. You're bringing cheer. You're bringing joy. Um, I got let go not too long after that. And I'm sure that there was some sort of connection but it was—it felt like to—it felt like you were spinning your wheels essentially. It felt like you were doing something that didn't really have a point, and it was like, why am I wasting my time? There are more meaningful, purposeful things to do out there. And, and I'm guessing that some of us have felt that way at times, where we're doing something, we're engaged in a job, we're engaged in some activity, and we're like, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels because there are more meaningful things out there. We don't always know what those more meaningful things are, but there are things that like we think would give us life and purpose. We see people on Instagram, and they look like they're having life and purpose, and we're just like clocking in and clocking out. I don't even like my job. I don't even like doing this. I, don't, I, I just don't feel good about it. It feels pointless. It feels meaningless. It feels like you're living life that isn't truly life. And so when Paul writes these words, I'm like, I, could, I get that. I get that. Because he's telling us, and it's kind of scary to think that there's a way to live life that isn't truly life. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my energy. I don't want to waste my resources doing something that isn't fully engaged in living. I know when I was a kid and my parents would say, you know, turn off the TV, turn off the computer, go outside and play. I think this is what they were thinking. And this is certainly what I'm thinking when I tell my kids, turn off the iPad, go outside, like live, do something, right? You're doing something that isn't truly living. You're engaged in life that isn't truly life. And I I totally resonate with that. I think this question Of what is truly life is kind of a common question. If you've ever been in a more philosophical moment, you've just kind of been contemplating, you know, what you're doing and life around you. I think this is something that maybe you've thought about. Maybe you've laid awake at night, wondering why your life didn't feel meaningful, wondering if if you could do something. Why why your life hasn't turned out the way it looks like other people's lives have on social media? Maybe you purchased a self help book. To figure out, like, how do I truly live? A little interesting tidbit this book up on the screen was actually written by my wife's great grandmother. It's a book called Wake Up and Live. And in 1936, she wrote this book, and it sold over two million copies because there's lots of people in the world who want to figure out, like, I feel like I'm making my way through life and I'm just a zombie. I need to wake up and live. Little side note, this was turned into a musical in uh, 1937, so if you ever want to, you know, go watch my wife's great-grandmother's self-help book turned into musical, there's a lot more tap dancing than you would guess for a self-help book, but you can, uh, you can find that. It's on YouTube, all kinds of fun stuff like that. But I think questions about life have occupied minds for a long time, at least since 1936. But even before, even the author of Ecclesiastes that I referenced earlier, even in the Bible you see people, you, see, you even see Jesus, you even see Paul talking about like, wake up, oh sleeper. Like you are doing something that isn't truly living. Now if that question has ever resonated with you, then that's what this series is about. Is like how do we engage in life that is truly life? How do we find the purpose and the meaning and the enjoyment that we're hoping to find out of life? Because it's terrifying to think that the implication is, is that you can miss out on life. Like you can miss it. It can pass you by to miss out on something that's so precious and so important and we can work and we can erve and we can strive all in the wrong direction. It's so frustrating if you've ever been on a road trip and you just kind of get zoned out a little bit and you maybe get off for gas and get back on the highway going the wrong way and you're just like thinking or you're listening to a book on tape or whatever and you're just going and you get an hour down the road and you're like wait a second I'm going in the wrong direction like how aggravating that is imagine that that's your life where you're putting all this time and energy into something that's the wrong direction that's the wrong way to go I can see why I can see why for me this is so valuable All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to jump back two verses and kind of build our way back up to this verse 19. So back in verse 17, he begins to start this process and he says, Command those who are rich in the present world. I know we're thinking we're not rich, right? We live, you know, it's not like we have a ton extra in our paycheck at the end of the month. It's not, you know, we shop clear the clearance section at Target. We're not rich. Rich people, this is rich people. This is Scrooge McDuck diving into a pile of gold coins. This is rich. When I was a kid, there was a comic book and it was about a rich kid and he had all the riches that he could want and his name was Richie Rich. I mean, super creative writing. Like, very, very deeply thought out. But, it's, you know, that's rich. People who can you know fly places in helicopters and people who have rooms full of gold coins that's rich not us i mean we'll get the generic brand at target you know we'll sometimes shop at thrift stores we won't pass up a a good deal at a garage sale. we're not rich like that now i know you've heard all the things like oh compared to most of the world we are rich and that's true but we don't feel rich is maybe what we should say we don't feel rich Liam is saving up for this Nintendo Switch, and I'm helping him. And so we're trying to scrounge pennies from everywhere. And so I was like, hey, Liam, you know what a good place to find change is? We have disciple group at our our house every week. Coins fall right out of those pockets. Those are going right into the Nintendo fund. And so we dug through the couch cushions. This is unbelievable to me. We found $7 in our couch So I was doing a little research on the internet. That is, in some countries, that is more than a week's pay. And it's in our couch. It's in our couch. There was a $5 bill that really upped the whole thing. Like, I don't know who showed up with a $5 bill and left without it. But you're out of luck. That's going in the Nintendo fund now. But we, I know we don't think ourselves as rich. We don't have the newest and best. We, we buy off-brand. And, it, it, and, and it's probably important for us to understand that the word rich, just it isn't just about money, because that's what we think. It's about like a bank account number. It's not about money. The word rich actually literally means muchness. It's a very good word, muchness. Do you have muchness? Well, yeah, I do have muchness. And it refers to, it refers to things like food. Do you have muchness in your food? Well, i got some muchness yeah i could use you know lose 10 to 15 pounds of muchness yeah that's true how about in your garage well that's true i can't fit the cars in there i got a little bit of muchness bunch of stuff that i need to take to the thrift store but it's riches it's what we we have riches we have more than we need for most of us maybe that doesn't resonate with you or maybe you feel like you don't how about clothes right walk into your closet well there's muchness there Command those who have muchness in the world. That's us, folks. Whether we want to admit it or not, and I know some of you are like, well, yeah, sure, compared to other countries, we're relatively rich, right? But you know when those other countries, well, they don't have to pay, you know, $3 for a gallon of milk. Yeah, they do, actually. You are doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good. And maybe you don't feel rich because you're living close to the edge financially, and I get that. And maybe you don't feel rich because you can see on social media what other people have, but relative to most people, we're doing pretty good. So when Paul writes these words, we should sit up in our chairs and listen, because guess who he's talking to? He's talking to us, and he's going to talk about how to take hold of life that is truly life for people like us, people who have much, people who have been blessed with a lot. And I know we don't, maybe don't pursue riches. None of you are saving up for a Maserati. None of you are like, you know, you're, you're not fly. I saw somebody who, who took his, his date, said she wanted to go out for pizza, so he took her on an airplane to Italy for pizza. We're not doing, we don't do that sort of thing, but compared to most people, we're doing pretty good we don't pursue riches, but I want you to think about maybe we may not be, and some of you are thinking, well, yeah, people who are consumed with riches, if you're, if you're just focused on wealth as an end to itself, maybe that's who he's talking to. But I think that we may not be focused on like a bank account number. Or we may not be focused on, uh, you know, how, how much the nice stuff that we have in our house, but maybe we're focused on what we believe wealth will give us access to. We may not be thinking of riches as an end to themselves, but we're thinking of riches as what they will give us access to. If I had more money, then I would travel, and that would give my life meaning and purpose. If I had more money, then, uh, you know, my marriage would be better because we wouldn't argue about money all the time, and then that would give my life meaning and purpose. If I had money, then I would be able to save up for my kids' college fund, and they would go off to be a world-famous doctor, and then that would give my life purpose and meaning. And what we're saying is that riches give us access, access to meaning and purpose. And Paul's about to dismantle that idea. That riches, wealth, muchness has nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with life in that way. So it's not necessarily the pursuit of money itself, it's what wealth would bring. We're not diving into pools of gold coins, but I think we can be preoccupied with viewing wealth as a means to purpose and fulfillment and happiness. Jim Carrey, very famous theologian, you may recognizes works such as Ace Ventura, he wrote, uh, he wrote something that I thought was pretty profound. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous. Everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they could see that it's not the answer. Because for those of us who don't have that, we think like, well, it's, uh, if I had it, then I would be able to tell it. He's saying, you know, you can have it, I've had it, and it's just not the answer. It's not the solution. It doesn't give us access to what we want. So this is what he says. He goes, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth. So not to transport that which should be placed in a relationship with God into this wealth. Well, hey, at least I got some saved up for a rainy day. That's not, this is what he's talking about. Don't put your hope in wealth. And he says, he says you, the reason you're not supposed to put your hope in wealth is because it's so uncertain. This wealth is so uncertain. How many people back in 1997 said, I'm going to spend this money on Beanie Babies because the value will only go up, right? I mean, there's people with garage full of, garages full of Beanie Babies and they just can't, they can't, uh, they can't get rid of them. And I, I think that we have to understand that whether we think of this in these terms as not the muchness, riches, wealth, have a gravitational pull for us. They're just this gravitational pull that we're drawn to those things or those things that we think that we can get through those things. So I don't know how many of you are like this. Uh, I, I don't want to point any fingers, um, but I'm this way, where every time you already have this thing, but every time you go to the store, you go to that section anyway, you already have a perfectly good one, or many But you go to that section anyway, and my wife would tell you that for some reason I like coats, and even though I've got a nice warm coat, I'm always going, oh, hey, coats are on clearance. I better look, just in case. You know, we live in Minnesota. Coats are very important. What This one has, like, silver lining inside. That'll keep you warm, like those blankets in an emergency. I probably should get a coat like that because what if I go out and it's 9 degrees in the morning, but then it's 25 degrees in the afternoon? I need a coat that can handle all this kind of, no, it's just ridiculous. I have a coat, right? How many of you, for you, that's shoes, right? Guys, too. Like, it's not... Gender thing. Sometimes guys will be like, every time there's a new shoe, new Jordans, new new shoes. Like that's it. My, my sister's this way with backpacks. How many backpacks can you need? You have one back. You only need one backpack, right? No. Hey, we have muchness, and there's this gravitational pull to, so, toward certain things. And every time you go to Target, you go to that section in Target. Every time you go to the store, you go to that section in the store. Every time you get on Amazon.com, you like kind of scroll. Is there? Oh, that looks guy like that. You know, it's only 2 days shipping and it's free. And like, there's this gravitational pull toward riches. Now, this is this is so important. He talks about wealth being so uncertain, and I think that's really valuable because I mean, we do really like. I know that they're just thousands of people in early 19 or in early 2008 who were like, you know what? Property values they'll only go up. I'm going to invest everything I have now and then boom. Riches are so uncertain. Do not hope in riches. Do not hope in muchness. Do not give into that gravitational pull. He says in verse 17, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God. Listen to this. Who richly provides us with everything... For our enjoyment. Oh, this is going to be interesting to talk about. I want you to hear what Paul has to say for us here. This is going to be valuable. What he's helping us try to do is understand that there's a shift in focus that needs to take place here. Go one more slide. I want you to show what he does. There's an interesting wordplay in the original language, but he says, Command those who are rich, one word, in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their home in riches, same variation of the same word, which is so important, uh, uh, uncertain rather, but to put their hope in God, who richly, a variation of the same word, He's trying to help us understand that that sense of fulfillment or purpose that we think we can get through muchness isn't found in muchness. It's uncertain, but it is found in God. God will provide those things that you need for for purpose and fulfillment in life. God will provide that. You will never find that because you can get a backpack or a coat or a pair of shoes and you're still going to go to the section of the store that has those and you're going to need more. It's never going to end. It's never going to stop. You're never going to get to the point where you're like, well, you know what? I have uh, enough shoes now. Whatever itch that is, you're still going to be searching for that. I have enough coats now. I have enough whatever it is that you're collecting now. Beanie babies. (laughs) It's never going to go away. He says, but God can provide that. God can provide that, that, that shift in focus that needs to happen for us to see that God richly provides. I think this is interesting because this verse is kind of awesome. And, and, and for me, it's just blowing my mind a little bit when I think about it. But go one more slide uh, there at the bottom. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do, do you know that God cares about your enjoyment? That's interesting. God cares about your enjoyment. God, as a good father, wants you to enjoy and he's already provided everything that you need in order to enjoy. Now, that is going to land like a ton of bricks for people whose lives are in disarray. <laughs> that is not going to sound right at all. You're like, wait a second. You're saying God has already given me everything I need to be happy. Then why am I so miserable? Why is my life all out of kilter here? What's going on? If This is all God's fault? Is that what you're saying? No, no. Don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. But this is important for us to hear. What we need to know, and I think there's a couple conclusions that we could draw from this idea, is that what, what he's asking for uh, from us here is extreme trust. But it's important to note what he is not saying. This is really valuable because sometimes Christians get this confused. Christians have this thought process that says something along the lines of God wants me to be happy, therefore I should do what makes me happy. And then they do what makes them happy, thinking it'll make them happy, and they find themselves just devastated and their life in total disarray because that's not what god is saying god is not saying follow your heart and do what makes you happy god is saying i know what will provide enjoyment and fulfillment and purpose in your life he's saying listen to me not your heart but that relationship that thing that job that promotion god's saying that's not where it is He's not saying do what makes you happy. Boy, this is one of the biggest lies of the modern era. Do what makes you happy. Do you know how many families are just messed up because one member of a family or another is pursuing do what makes you happy? God's not saying do what makes you happy. God is saying trust me for your enjoyment. Trust me, follow me for your enjoyment in life. And it takes extreme, deep trust. And think about this. You have to, in order to follow God, you have to pass up what you think will make you happy in order to pursue what God says will bring you enjoyment. That is tough. Here you are and you have a choice. Two roads diverge before you. And this thing that you've wanted desperately all your life and God says, no, 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 it's not that way. It's down this path. (gasps) Are you sure, God, if I just go this way a little bit... If I just do this thing a little bit, and God said, I'm telling you, enjoyment is not down that path. This is the way to enjoyment. I created you. I created the world. I created your psychology. I created the way you think. I guarantee you, this is the way to enjoyment. Mm, that takes extreme deep trust. He's not saying just do what makes you happy. But listen, this is, I think this is even tougher for us to hear. He's, all, he's saying, if God isn't providing it, then we don't need it for our enjoyment. If God isn't providing it, then we don't need it for our enjoyment. Boy, I, I think that we're going to hear that and we're going to be like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But the Paul said that God richly provides, he richly provides everything you need for your enjoyment. I think maybe our struggle is, is not necessarily uh, A more problem or a riches problem it's a contentment struggle that we're having so in reality when we talk about this idea this series is called the secret to life when we talk about this idea it's not really a secret at all the the question is just it's so simple it's so simple and it's just this do we really trust god for our purpose and our meaning and our fulfillment in life do we really trust god for that that's the question we're asking ourselves do we trust God that what he says down this path is, is fulfillment? Down this path is purpose. Down this path is meaning. It looks like it's that way and all the self-help books are telling you it's that way and all the other people are running down that path, but it's not. It's this way. Do we really truly trust God to give us life that is truly life? And that means passing up on those things we think will make us happy. Over the next couple of weeks in this series, we're going we're gonna to d- dive into the third marker of our relationship with God uh, here up here, and it's the idea that disciples don't attend, they engage. And what we're going to learn from what Paul says in the next few verses is that's where fulfillment comes from. It comes from us making a choice to serve, love, and engage with one another in- it's not really a secret the problem is is just nobody's buying into that idea we think that that purpose and meaning and, and life will come from achievement and, and and the things that i can gain and the things that i can pull in and jesus has said consistently god has said consistently it's it purpose and meaning in life comes from what you give out and he's going to reiterate that in this in this passage in the next few verses so uh, so plan on being here over the next couple of weeks disciples don't just attend they engage it's pretty counterintuitive to our life but i think that we will find at the end of that road is purpose and meaning and fulfillment despite some of the jobs we might be doing. We will find greater purpose and meaning in the same job you're doing, in the same situation, because we've changed our perspective and we understand that it is God who richly provides. Let's uh, say a word of prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, Lord, we're grateful to be able to gather uh, here, Lord, and I know that as we just go about our our week, we're going to be thinking about those things that will bring value and enjoyment and purpose and meaning, and we're we're going to be tempted to go along with our culture. Uh, We're going to be tempted to go along with the things that people around us are telling us. Uh, we'll provide that. We're going to be tempted to get jealous because somebody else looks life looks better on social media than ours, but I just pray that you would help us understand that it requires deep trust, but it is worth it to pursue a life fully, deeply uh, engaged in following you. God, we thank you so much for, uh, for giving us that truth, as difficult as it is to, to understand and pursue sometimes. We thank you for that, that we don't have to, we don't have to learn these things the hard way. Uh, God, we pray that this week we will be fully engaged in following you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.